Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Live from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, it's the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens. Happy Wednesday to you listening across the state of Mississippi and around wherever you are on the Super Talk Mississippi Network. Thanks for joining us today. Great show for you today. Uh, got, we'll talk golf a little later as the Masters approaches. Patrick McGee will join us in the second segment today, as he always does weekly. And I'm going to talk uh, Southern Miss baseball here in just a moment. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you. Dickie's, some of the best smoked meats anywhere. You're having an Easter get-together this weekend and a baseball and softball in full swing. Uh, Dickie's Barbecue can cater your next event, or you can go see the hometown team just outside Turtle Creek. Mall in Hattiesburg. Well, the Golden Eagles last night sport a sixth spot in the bottom of the eighth and come back after trailing six to four and defeat Southeastern Louisiana ten to six. No rest for the weary. They're hopping on a plane today, flying to Northfolk, Virginia, to take on the Old Dominion Monarchs in a uh, kind of a early series because of the Easter weekend. Uh, tomorrow they will take on Old Dominion at at uh, five Central and then five Central on Friday and then noon on Saturday. Here to break down the Monarchs uh, for us, the voice of Old Dominion, Ted Alexander, our good friend. Sunbelt for both of us, Ted. How is it for you? It's going wonderfully. Uh, glad to have uh, you guys uh, on the radar here today. Great to be on once again, and uh, happy Masters Week. Appreciate that. We're all looking forward to that. I know no midweek for the Monarchs, but you guys, 22-6 and six on the year, started winning 12 out of your 13 uh, games, and we joked off air, no more Gabe Montenegro for us. Still have his brother Rodrigo. <laughs> But Golden Eagle fans, happy to know that Kootenai and Gariola, not Monarch uh, active players anymore. He finally got rid of that power. Got rid of some power, but the, the crazy thing around these parts, guys, is the fact that they've reloaded. And uh, three guys that uh, no one had heard of in uh, Monarch Nation until this fall when they arrived on campus are suddenly leading the team with 11, 12, and 12 homers, and they're leading the, the conference with 61 dingers thus far. So thanks uh, to... Uh, let's see, Camden Grimes and Hunter Fitzgerald and Jake Tyser, the Monarch big bats are popping once again. Yeah, Coach Finwood seems to be his M.O., man, bringing in some mashers. 315 as a team. Um, you guys doing a, a good job running uh, also 38 of, of 43. What's the pitching been like for ODU so far? 
Pitching has been pretty good. I mean, uh, as pitching goes, you know, you don't want to win all your games 10-9, but uh, guys are rounding themselves into shape, if you will, and and, uh, that uh, Blake Morgan going on on, uh, the Friday games, or in this case, uh, tomorrow, uh, he's an All-American left-hander, had some ups and downs in the early going this season, but had his best outing of the year at Georgia Southern on uh, this past Friday night. Sam Armstrong really been the leader and the, the linchpin for this this staff thus far. Uh, he's got it to 5-0, and didn't get a decision uh, last Saturday down in uh, Statesboro, but he's been a, a heck of an arm. Uh, Dylan Brown had a rough go. He's a freshman as the Sunday starter. He had a rough go, and the Monarchs got waxed on Sunday. Kelly? Ted, when you look at the Southern Miss's pitching staff, though, Tanner Hall has been merciless and not very generous is what he's given up hardly anything this year. What are you looking for in this uh, former Conference USA, now Sunbelt matchup? Do, do, is, it, is it fair to say that, that this Southern Miss series might be the biggest one for you guys so far as far as uh, this is a really good Southern Miss team coming in there? Anytime Southern Miss rolls into your building to play baseball, it's a big deal. No doubt about it. And, and this year's uh, team is no exception. I mean, there's a reason they were picked to win the Sun Belt before ever playing a game in the Sun Belt. Uh, they're really good. And, and if, if you're the Monarchs and if you're, if you're being hypercritical and very sensitive, you realize that when the Monarchs have been facing really good pitching, uh, there's a way to get around this lineup. And the key for Old Dominion will be to be patient at the plate and, and not try and hit a seven run home run. Uh, and just let the game come to you. It's a cliche, but it's true. Uh, if you try and overdo it, you might overthink things, and and that could become a problem, especially against a quality team like the Golden Eagles. There have been a couple of areas that that have been uh, little blemishes on the on the Golden Eagle report card so far. One earlier in the year was not coming through with base hits with runners on. The the bullpen was a little bit suspect, although certainly showing signs of improvement. Are there any areas of the team, either offensively or defensively, on the Monarchs that are, are of a concern to you or the coaches have expressed might be a concern? Well, I think uh, you've got to get more consistent fielding. Uh, too many errors, uh, too many uh, dropped pop errant throws, or, or you know some errors are just are going to happen in the in the game of baseball. But you have to limit those. Uh, a great stat or a miserable stat if you're a monarch loss at uh, Georgia Southern is 15 out of their 16 runs came after two were out. And that means you've got an opportunity to shut the door or at least limit the damage, and they did not do that the last time out. Go ahead, Luke. Ted, when uh, you know, we look at the league, and, and I guess – you, you went through football season. We had an interesting football season. I think get to play you guys this year in football. But but what's been your take? You know, coming out of basketball into baseball. I mean, Sunbelt has been been pretty good for Old Dominion so far. The experience. Yeah, I think I think it has uh, geographically. It's worked really well. Of course, we love to have better uh, better results on the uh, the football field or the basketball court. But uh, hopefully, we're we're finding out. Uh, you know, as we all go through this together, this new. Uh, uh, the portal and the NIL stuff and how teams can turn around in a jiffy. Just look at your basketball program, which had a wonderful year after being miserable for a couple of years. You know, fans now are not going to be patient. Uh, or what they're going to do is, is if you have a season which was disposable, you want to dispose it and go to the mall and get more parts. And uh, we're hoping that can happen for Old Dominion. But it's a, it's a new day. But love the Sun Belt. Just love the geogra- geography. Glad you guys came in along with, with uh, Marshall 
And then, of course, having James Madison in the league is, is really helpful, uh, although it hasn't been really helpful to the, from the competition standpoint. The Dukes have been waxing us and everything. Uh, but it's nice to have them in the league and just have the, the uh, proximity. And I want to. You, you can. One more, one more yeah. question, real quick, Kelly. So, so Ted, like, one, one thing we've been noticing is with Conference USA, you know, if we had five teams inside the top 100, it seemed as if conference play was hurting. You know, RPI. Right now, as of today, nine teams inside the top 97 in RPI in the Sun Belt. And it's, you know, we, all of us may be helped down the stretch, you know, and, and at large bids because the RPI will seem to help us as a conference, not hurt us this year like it did in Conference USA. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the Monarchs are an example. Last year, they were one of the first four out. Uh, of the NCAA tournament, and you kind of saw that maybe their their non-conference resume wasn't uh, strong enough. I mean, Texas San Antonio was a team that got screwed last year, but you're absolutely right. When you play in a league that has a bunch of good teams, uh, the season doesn't rest on one game because you know you're going to take your lumps because there are a lot of good teams given lumps in the league back and forth and those types of things. You just hope that our teams in the Sun Belt take advantage of their opportunities out of conference like the Monarchs will have Tuesday when they take on East Carolina down in Greenville. Well, with with that said, though, Ted, doesn't – and I hesitate to use this term that the teams can kick back a little bit, but you're not like in basketball where you know you pretty much have to win the postseason conference tournament in order to get a bid. That does not appear that it's going to be the case in baseball. How many – you know, realistically – and to try to manage expectations, how many teams will the Sun Belt get if all things proceed like they have so far? That's a great question, and that's the you know the million dollar question. I would hope you know four or five, but you you just never know. Around these parts, when you start thinking about how many at larges there are going to be, people think you've been drinking the cooking sherry, and so the the the, the idea is just to keep your head down, do what you can, get as many as you can. Get as many quality wins as you can, and then let the chips fall where they may. Because you, you just you just never know. You never know when the opportunity for getting screwed is going to pop up because it's happened so many times before. And I'm not sure we've ever had anybody on the show use the term <laughs> use that term before. Ole Miss, Ole Miss took that spot last year, and and we were adamants on this. You know, we were on this show. We were adamant about you guys because we know. You know, you get in a regional, Ted, with what your offense had last year and what they're showing this year. When pitching gets short, Gorilla Ball is about to take over from the Monarchs. And so, you know, that's the way we felt about it last year. Well, it's and it's a testament to the program down there at Southern Miss that just even in a funky year, you're going to not only make it, but you're going to host and be good hosts. Uh, we're hoping for more of the same. I mean, we're just hoping that the guys can can – Learn on the job and learn from the mistakes, and then button up the fielding little bits and and keep yeah. uh, patient at the plate so they can get some good balls to hit. So Morgan will throw tomorrow night. Yes, oh, that'll be good. Morgan against Hall, so good stuff there, uh, Ted. We appreciate your time, man, and have a good call this weekend. We'll be, we'll be watching. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Ted Alexander, voice of the ODU Monarchs. Golden Eagles headed up to Virginia today. Kelly, that will be a good one tomorrow. Blake Morgan against Tanner Hall. And it'll be the classic matchup. It'll be their power hitting against uh, Tanner Hall's excellent pitching up to this point. And usually, you know what they say, usually good pitching will beat good hitting. We certainly hope that that's the case. We'll talk more baseball, but we'll go to New Orleans in our next segment. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com joins us next as the Eagle Hour continues after these commercial messages. 
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Still to come, we'll be talking with the most prolific Southern Miss golfer in history, Glenn Natchik, who's a native of Canada, now making his home in Florida. Talk a little golf. The Masters, of course, begins tomorrow in Augusta. Glenn Natchik from Southern Miss Golf will be joining us in our next segment. This segment brought to you by Campus Bookmart, campusbookmart.net. That's campusbookmart with a T, .net. It's in that bright gold building right across from campus, the place to go, your one-stop shop for everything Southern Miss, whether it's clothing, whether it's uh, gifts, housewarming gifts, wedding gifts, whatever, anything that has a Southern Miss logo on it, you can find it at Campus Bookmart, 24-7 online at campusbookmart.net. Now we go down to New Orleans, our friend from No. Com. Patrick McGee joins us with his weekly update. And Patrick, as we welcome you, I guess everything headed toward uh, the draft coming up now as we turn the calendar into the month of April. What's the latest from uh, Saints camp? Well, I, I guess maybe the development's a little bit quiet, but I mean, it's, it's still that kind of lull. Uh, no team is going to give it away which direction they're headed going in. But they had uh, Hinden Hooker uh, was scheduled to come in for a visit, the Tennessee quarterback. He got injured late in the season. Uh, but his stock had risen as a pro prospect throughout the year, and uh, he's still regarded as you know as a potential likely draft pick. And and he's somebody that makes sense as, as the Saints could get you know maybe a mid round choice. Uh, they would like to bring in another young quarterback. You don't really have a uh, you have Jameis Winston coming back as a backup, but obviously I think Winston is probably just a one year deal. And then they would like to you know to to have somebody that can develop over the next two or three years under uh, Derek Carr. So. That would make sense. Also, Jalen Hyatt, who was uh, Hooker's top receiver there at Tennessee, he's somebody that was scheduled to come in for a visit. Yep. But, you know, th- that's where things stand. Uh, I think going into the draft, I think a lot of the same positions they were, they've were they been looking at all along are going to be the same positions we're going to look at coming off the for the coming off for the coming off the board for the Saints uh, later this month. And because of the uncertainty of Alvin Kamara, there's a running back in New Orleans already, although he's not a Saint. He's across town there with with Tulane, getting a lot of attention, not just from the Saints, but some others. Fill in some blanks there for us. Yeah, well, uh, Ty J. Spears. I mean, he, if Ty J. Spears is now on that Tulane football team this season, they, you know, it's an entirely different season. Uh, they wouldn't have been in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, he he's really a legit uh, prospect. I think people look at him as maybe as a third rounder, possibly as high as a second rounder. Uh, he, he's been good through the workouts of the combine and. And, and and he's somebody that the Saints have been looking at. Um, they need, you know, to another young running back in the mix. Really, it's been Kamara and not much else the last two last couple of seasons. And, you know, they've already brought in Jamal Williams, but I think they would like a, a, a young, talented guy to get in that mix. And that could potentially you, – you add a Ty J. Spears and with uh, Kamara, who's obviously a little bit of a question mark. But Williams, that's, that's a pretty good uh, trio there running back. Patrick, so do you think they will go, you know, with those first two picks inside the 40? I mean, you, you talked about the Tennessee wide receiver. He was phenomenal. Um, I mean, is, is that they, will they go too offensive? I saw where they worked out defensive linemen also uh, this week. But, yeah. I mean, it's very likely. I mean, you, you sign Carr, you've got offensive weapons, but at the same time, I mean, do you, do you just get more? Yeah, well, I mean, I think defensive line, uh, defensive end is the obvious. Way you go. Uh, you, you've already lost one guy to the in Davenport to the to the Vikings, and Cam Jordan is is up there and is still playing at a very high level. Uh, but he's getting up there in the years. Uh, so I would expect them pretty much at this point. I think everybody's kind of pointing towards defensive end with that first pick. But I think running back, uh, 
and linebacker also areas of need going in. And, uh, you know, they, they lost Caden Ellis, gone to the Falcons. They had really good depth there at linebacker. They're just not quite as good as they were a year ago. Uh, so I think they'd like to develop uh, behind Demario Davis, uh, who's now, I think, you know, 34, 35. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if I had to guess right now, the, the three areas they addressed early in the draft are defensive line, linebacker, and running back. May I ask you this every week leading up to the draft? General draft question, who's the first quarterback off the board today in your mind? If if it's you know I think C.J. Stroud uh, is the first quarterback off. I'm a Bryce Young guy. I like Bryce Young, uh, but he is on the small side. He's got to bulk up and get bigger. Not you know he not only is he short, he's not not the biggest guy in terms of stature. I think he's what 185 pounds. Yeah, uh, he needs to get closer to 210. Uh, but my bet is C.J. Stroud. The Saints, Wait, the Saints are not the only professional team in New Orleans. They have an NBA team, of course, the Pelicans, which yeah. we hardly ever talk about. Uh, generally, yeah. how has the season gone, Patrick? And people who don't follow the NBA necessarily kind of bring us up to date. Is the health of the franchise and where are the Pelicans playoff-wise? Are they in? Are they out? Just, just an overall picture. Uh, they're on the bubble right now. looks like they're in pretty good shape, shape for at least a play-in. Uh, they hurt themselves last night, uh, losing to the Kings. I had kind of a sloppy game last night, but they have been playing been playing better of late. Uh, but being without Zion Williamson since what early January uh, has really uh, uh, dragged the team down. He was he was playing very well, and you take him off the court, it's just a different team. Uh, they're still a good team, and they're capable of winning a playoff series without him. But uh, they just haven't played very well. Alvarado has been hurt. It's just been a lot of things kind of going against them here in the in the second half of the season. Isn't Zion Williamson, you guys, kind of the Michael Thomas of the? Of the yeah, oh yeah, well, always me, hurt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's when you're that big and you had that. It's you know, everybody say he does really need to kind of you know not just shed weight, but not be so darn bulked up. You know, uh, he's always been such a big guy, and when you have you're that big and that strong. Uh, injuries are going to happen. It's a hamstring injury he's dealing with the, at the moment. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been tough. He's he's missed a lot of games since he's been in New Orleans. I think he's played in. I don't even know if he's played in half the games. Maybe at fifty percent, something like that, uh, since he's been with the team. But it's been his absence has been been a problem this season. He's a very good player though. Before we get talking about Southern Miss baseball again, Patrick, I do want to ask you about the health of the franchise. New Orleans is always, you know, it's always seems to be on the radar of cities trying to, to steal a franchise, if you will, to, because the, the support has been lukewarm. I know New Orleans has had some minor league hockey teams in there that just haven't seemed to flourish. What would you, how would you describe the overall health of the organization with the Pelicans and the NBA? I think it's good. I think they're in good shape right now. They were able to get that new deal agreed to with Zion Williamson. So I, I think – uh, any talk of any movement anytime real soon is 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 pretty much dead right now. Uh, not that it's not a you know possibility down the road, uh, but this is not something we're looking at in the next five years at all. Patrick, um, we were talking to Ted Alexander from Old Dominion previous segment, and Kelly and I were talking during the break about this as well. You know, throughout the years, last several years, we've kind of complained about the echo chamber of RPI. How you can mm-hmm. lose and you know not fall. So in Southern Miss, uh, if four you know teams in Conference USA were in the top 100, you know okay. Right now, nine Sun Belt teams 
And mm-hmm. you look at a weekend like this with Old Dominion coming up. Old Dominion, I think, 33 in RPI. Southern Miss at 40 last week. You take two out of three, three against, a, at the time, a, a top 25 RPI team. I mean, it seems like the Sun Belt, though, Southern Miss can actually benefit from, from some of this versus trying to load the, the front half of the schedule to get RPI up, only to see it fall later in the season. Yeah, uh, when they joined the Sun Belt, you know, they were joining not only a good baseball conference, they're joining a deep baseball conference. Uh, there's really only a handful of teams in this conference that don't really compete at a very high level. And Arkansas State's been traditionally poor. Uh, that's one I could kind of throw out there. Marshall, of course, has its issues right now. Uh, but overall, it's a very good baseball conference who I think's kind of underperformed. They really haven't, you know, last year was a good year for Sun Belt baseball and throwing Southern Miss into the mix this year really kind of makes it that much more interesting. But Coastal Carolina is very high high RPI, top 25 team. So Southern Miss has this opportunity to move up, and they really have to take advantage. Been playing okay a little bit up and down. I know the, the bullpen's a problem right now. The pitching isn't as good as anybody really expected, but uh, it, that's what kind of happens when you what, lose five, six pitchers in the draft. Uh, so it's it's difficult, you know. They just need these bats to come around, you know, and, and you see it maybe with Peto and some of these other guys. But if they start hitting, uh, they're going to be held, you know, going down the final stretch in, yeah. in the Sun Belt. Just a way too early projection from 11.7 has Southern Miss as a three seed in, in Nashville. Scott Berry did win number 499 last night, so an opportunity this weekend. Hopefully he'll get to 500. Pr- pretty incredible when you start thinking about Palmer and Denson and Taylor in that conversation, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Corky, you know, uh, God bless him. He, he's got that College World Series and, and everybody. You know, what, what Scott Berry has done through consistency uh, throughout his time at Southern Miss, nobody can really con- compare to that. But Corky really built it, and Scott's really added to it, I thought. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So what he's done is pretty outstanding. It is. All right, um, 30 seconds left. Just throw a name out there. Who's going to win the Masters? Oh man! I put you you're, on the spot. You're, you're asking the wrong dude. <laughs> I, I do not. <laughs> hey, New Orleans, New Orleans has a PGA Tour event there. I know you cover yeah, that. One. Yeah, Zurich, and I wish everybody cared about it. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can always just say Tiger, just for the sake of saying Tiger. No, I don't want to sound dumb. You know, I don't. Want, you know, I'm not going to pick Tiger. I'm not that. Say dumb. Rory. Yeah, Rory. There we go. There we go. Hey, if he wins, you're a genius. That's all it is. Patrick, thanks for your time, man, as always. Appreciate you coming on today. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. He's, he's been busy uh, covering LSU women's basketball, hadn't he, Luke? Oh, man. I, th- I think the parades today. Yes. I, I bet he is He is uh, waiting for it to be over and move on. Yeah, the city of New Orleans, well, they'll have a parade for just about anything, although we certainly don't want to. To uh, deep devalue, you know what LSU did in winning the women's national championship in uh, college basketball. It is Masters Week. We'll talk with the most prolific golfer in Southern Miss history when this Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour continues in just a moment. Southern Miss to the top. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. The place to go if you're a Southern Miss fan, if you're pre-gaming, post-gaming, 
Whether it's football, basketball, or baseball, everybody in there is Southern Miss. They bleed black and gold. Don't forget the nine ninety five plate lunch that includes your soft drink each and every day. And uh, Friday coming up, uh, Catfish Friday. Fourth Street Bar and Grill. You can shoot some pool, play some darts, play some trivia in there as well. Everybody indeed knows your name. The Masters begins tomorrow in Augusta, Georgia. Joining us now on the phone is the most prolific Southern Miss golfer in history. Played from 1984 to 1988. He's a native Canadian. And it's interesting because half of the Southern Miss men's team they're Canadian. The current team, half of them are Canadian. So that is nothing new. We welcome back to the Eagle Hour, Glenn Natchik. Glenn, glad to have you with us. Uh, thanks for having me, boys. You know, I want to start. To, I want to start when, I, and I know you've been out of the PGA Tour and all that for a while. But the the whole controversy with the LIV and the PGA. What do you think the overall effects of this is going to be, and do both survive ultimately? Let me just say, will the LIV survive ultimately? Well, I mean, looking at it again, this is this is a little bit from the outside. I'm obviously not as tapped in as as I used to be, but you know, looking at field wise, I mean, obviously, uh, it, it's going to take a while, and they have to build a little bit on it. You know, the, the live tour as far as it's gaining a stronger field, but as of right now, obviously, there's no you know there's no comparison. Uh, the PJ Tour by far the best place in the world to play and. And, uh, you know, overall, I mean, I think everybody can see it's, it's caused a little bit of a divide. Although nearly $3 million in career earnings, you never got to play at Augusta. You did play at TPC. Tell us about that, that island uh, green or the 17th hole, what it was like to play and the differences between practice rounds and tournament rounds. Well, it, it was for sure the, the hardest 140-yard hole that, that I had played all year on tour, and I think most of the players would say that. Um, Beginning of the week, not too bad. I mean, you know, you're, just, you're playing your practice round. You're trying to hit the different pins and stuff. But, uh, boy, once Thursday comes, Friday afternoon, Saturday and Sunday, with some wind, I mean, it's a hundred and, what, 145-yard hole, and there's times where, you know, I've had to hit six six irons and seven irons. So it's a really, really difficult hole, especially when things get firm. And it, it does, that, that green does get a little bit smaller, I'd imagine, uh, later in the week, doesn't it? It shrinks. Uh, it goes from fairly large on Tuesday to minute on Sunday, for sure. So how does a kid from Canada, and again, this trend has continued since you've been here, how does a kid from Canada wind up in the heat and humidity of South Mississippi? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that, too, because I actually didn't visit. I just kind of came straight to Hattiesburg from, from Selkirk, Manitoba, and the, the humidity, it was just, it was absolutely brutal. Um, there was a couple guys, actually, ironically, from, from Canada already on the golf team, as you were saying earlier, how Canadians have kind of invaded the program now. But there there were a couple of Canadians already, and they had talked to the coach, and, then, and the coach had got a hold of me, and and started me with a little with, with a partial scholarship, and I basically went from there. I, I didn't have a whole lot of offers. In fact, uh, I think I may have had one other, and and um, you know, obviously, very glad I picked Southern Miss. Luke Johnson with uh, Glenn Natchik, the most prolific Southern Miss golfer in history. Going back to uh, to the players' course, is there a, is there a better finishing three? You come off the par five, you hit the island, and then. You talked about how scary the island is at 17, but but the the tee shot from 18 is pretty daunting as well. It is, and you know what what you see now is when they get on that hole, like when Justin Thomas won uh, the players a couple of years ago or whatever it was. 
I think I remember, I want to say it might have been Sunday, but he stepped up there with a five wood or whatever it was and hit this massive hook. And I mean, he got it way down there. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a really, really difficult hole. I thought it was one of the toughest driving holes um, on tour. You know, as far as they, you know, the guys are hitting it now, they can, they can kind of get that, you know, that three wood or five wood chasing down there. Whereas, you know, when I was playing, I hate to sound like it was a hundred years ago, but I mean, it's a fact. I mean, most guys were still hitting drivers, you know, at least three woods, but most were hitting drivers and it was a really hard hole. Wind, you know, obviously the wind conditions, uh, depending on which way it was blowing, made it really, really difficult. Uh, it's coming out of the left, you know, the, the whole dog legs left with the water on the left. So it's, it's just a really hard hole. Those three finishing holes, I think, um, you know, besides any other major venue, are for sure, uh, you know, in the top three, top five uh, on tour, without a doubt. And that's Always. 16th hole going forward in two is, is, is really hard, hard, it, hard to do, too. It really is. You know, when, they, when somebody will go up to, uh, to 18 with like a, you know, four-shot lead or so, uh, and, and they'll just hit it out to the right on purpose, you know, like you alluded to. It's pretty, right. pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to take you, take you back. Walk us through. You don't have to walk us through. Just just comment on it. The 1987 Spring Hill Invitational. You <laughs> shot, uh, I think it was a 36 hole. You shot a 144 in two days and won that thing for Southern Miss. Right. <laughs> that was my only victory, I believe. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. I was, I was putting you in the center. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, you'd think I'd remember it being my one and only collegiate victory. Yeah, you know, and... It's funny because after I'd, I'd uh, finished, or actually I graduated and then started working on my games, and went to Mobile, Alabama and, and turned pro and, again, was uh, making some swing changes. But uh, that golf course, Spring Hill, was um, was one of the courses we used to play and have some fun games and stuff at. But uh, it's just, you know what, back, back then I was a very, very average, uh, you know, player at a very average career and, as far as uh, college is concerned, and but I did, I wasn't proven, you know, and that was the thing. Um, uh, but obviously, you know, the highlight, definitely one of the highlights of my college career was winning there at the Spring Hill. But how did you overcome that, Glenn? I'm sure a lot of people, based on your collegiate career, you said you wanted to play on the tour, and they probably looked at you like you were crazy or something. Uh, uh, you know, you're right. Um, once I left Hattiesburg, I went to Mobile, started working with a guy named Ron Gring, and was able to playing practice kind of all day while I, you know, kind of helped out with the, with the range and stuff. And I made some pretty major swing changes. And quite honestly, I, I practiced, I worked on my game only. I didn't play any tournaments or anything, probably for six to eight months before I started playing any mini tour tournaments and just gained a lot of confidence in, in my swing and obviously my ball striking and what I was doing. And um, not to say I never had any success. I did win our, our provincial amateur in Manitoba, while I was at Southern Miss, the provincial amateur, just basically it's the same thing as the state amateur. Uh, in Canada, we have provinces. but um, So I did have some success and as a junior player, but boy, that level, you know, just getting to, to, to the regular tour is, is hard enough. Staying out there is even harder for sure. Yeah, and the, the Masters coming up uh, now this week, do you, do, you have a, do you have a favorite? Who are you betting on, so to speak? Well, you you know what I, I like, and I, I've I've seen a little bit of uh, of the master stuff um, so far this week, and I, I like what Roy McElroy's been saying. Uh, he, he says he's been working with with Bob Rotella. Bob Rotella is a guy that I had a chance to work with uh, for about a year or so, and he's he's awesome. 
Um, and it sounds like Rory, a lot of it is kind of putting oriented. And, and he said, he basically said the same thing. I remember that uh, Rotella was saying to me when I would speak about my putting a short game, he, he would say, go back to when you're, you know, six, seven years old and putt like that, you know, to free yourself up. I think if Rory McIlroy putts well, he will for sure have a chance to win without a doubt. But I think the rest of his game is kind of, kind of rounding in. You know, getting ready for uh, for tomorrow. So, uh, if he puts well, he's going to be right there. Yeah, Rory teeing off tomorrow at one forty eight with Tom Kim, Sam Burns. Some of these, some of these pairings, Glenn, are really good. Right after them at two mm-hmm. o'clock, Spieth, Fleetwood, and Finau. Ten forty two, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, and Cameron Young. And then mm-hmm. I, again, I think we don't realize it every every year. You know, these honorary starters, player Nicholas and Watson, going to tee it up at seven forty. Right. Uh, that's, I mean, it's, that's names of the game right there. Uh, one day it's going to be Tiger Woods and, you know, whoever yeah. else as, as, you know, doing the same thing. So, uh, they're the names, they're the players and people who have carried this game. And, and obviously it's, it's great to have them doing so. What's, yeah, interesting, what's interesting to me, though, is when you talk about motivation, you guys, I mean, the motivation to win is one thing, but, it's when you win, obviously you're making a lot of money. Well, when you can finish tenth in some of these tournaments and still win two hundred thousand dollars or even more than that, I mean, to me that would it would be tough to stay motivated, Glenn, when you're winning that kind of money and you're not even winning the tournament. Well, and that's what's so impressive about the guys who, um, you know, the the, the world, the, the top of the guys uh, or the top guys in the world rankings. You know, they're winning majors, and they're winning, and they're making tons of money. And you're right. I mean, the, the prize money, the purses are just skyrocketed, uh, which is really impressive. But to, to keep, you know, I think a lot of them, it's, it's majors and it's history. You know, what a lot of these guys or what the elite guys are, are kind of chasing. Like Rory, I think, uh, what he needs to win the Masters to win the Grand Slam, right? The, um, the mate to, to have all, right. all four right. major titles, right? So. A lot of these guys are kind of chasing history as well. You know, maybe not necessarily trying to catch Nicholas, which who knows, somebody might. But the more majors you win, the more your name is, you know, engraved and, and, and held to that same kind of standard as those other guys. Well, Glenn Natchik was Southern Miss Golf from 1984 to 1988. The native Canadian now makes his home down in Florida, and we check in with him every once in a while when there's uh, something golf going on. Glenn, you'll always be remembered as a Golden Eagle, and we thank you, man, for your time today. I appreciate it. I'm proud to be a Golden Eagle, and uh, you guys let me know anytime when you want to chat. All right, sounds good. Glenn Natchik, that's Natchik with an H, uh, talking about uh, the Masters. We've got a little more to do here on a Wednesday's edition of the Eagle Hour, and we'll get to that after we get to these. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Wednesday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. DBATHattiesburg.com. Great facilities, great instruction, great pro shop on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. DBAT 
and D1 Training. Luke, Kelly, and Michael from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Speaking of golf, Southern Miss Golf finishes 12th yesterday at the Mossy Oak Collegiate up at the Mossy Oak Golf Course in West Point. Robbie Ladder had an outstanding tournament. Comes in 27th overall, um, 71, a 69, and a 71. Ryan Dupuis also, 70, 73, and 71. Southern Miss finishes 12th as a team. Lady Eagles uh, were at the ULM Invitational in Monroe, Louisiana. As a team, finished sixth out of ninth, but Elena Melich finishes eighth, finishing a a uh, what, am, what am I? Fifty four. I'm trying to do my my fifty four holes. Fifty four holes. Yeah. Yes. Shot a two twenty three fifty four holes. So congratulations uh, to her. The Lady Eagles will get ready for the LPGA Inter, um, International at Daytona. Florida coming up uh, next weekend. Softball got a win last night. Yeah, uh, against Nichols break uh, break a losing streak. Won eight to one. Good job uh, with uh, the offense. Jana Lee goes three for three uh, last night with two runs. Kinsley Gordon also hits a home run inside the circle. Morgan Linestock went the, went the distance, seven innings, seven strikeouts. Lady Eagles uh, will get back uh, on the conference slate uh, this. Actually, today, I guess, they're flying to San Marcos because of that Easter um, calendar scooting up. Right. They'll play Texas State tomorrow at 6, Friday at 4, and then noon on uh, on Saturday. And then track and field, Trinity Benson named the Sunbelt Athlete of the Week in women's track. Three top three finishes um, this past weekend. Won the 400-meter, won the 400 or 4 by 100 meter uh, team, and then came in second in the 4 by 400 So Trinity Benson, congratulations, Sunbelt Women's Track Athlete of the Week. All right, Kelly, there was a baseball game last night at Pete Taylor Park. Golden Eagles went up early, scored three runs, and then uh, southeastern Louisiana came back and was up six to three, and then a six spot or six four, then a six spot by the Golden Eagles. Yeah, some lot. errors, some timely hits, and and they they win last night ten to six. I tell you, I was uh, calling the Pearl River Coalin uh, games yesterday, and some of my Southern Miss buddies, you know, were calling, "Oh man, we're gonna we're gonna lose to southeastern," you know, just striking out too much. But I said, "You guys, would you just calm down?" And this was like the the fifth inning, Luke. They were calling. You know, <laughs> going last I knew a baseball game was nine innings um, and they came back and, of course, you know, beat the Lions. So, man, I don't know yeah. what this team has to do to get people. And I, I think deep down they probably do believe their way of managing expectations, though, is to expect the worst. You know, but uh, but this team is fine. This Southern Miss team is fine. And I think they're going to go to ODU this weekend and, and win two out of three. It was interesting last night um, to to see who they would start. It started Will Armstead, and he did good. Yeah. Four four innings, only gave up three hits, struck out three. Um, later on, uh, Sively came in, and then Storm set him down. Three strikeouts uh, in the night to put him away. So Armstead may be one of those guys we see in a starting role in the midweek. Stats McGee threw this out today on Twitter, and I think this is pretty telling to the people you know that you just alluded to. There's only three teams right now in NCAA baseball that have not played a team under 150 in the RPI. Southern Miss, Cal Poly, and Oregon. So every team the Golden Eagles have played have been 150 or better in the RPI. Probably will change next week 
um, was the Golden Eagles play James Madison, who's in the 170 range, I think, today. But that's a pretty interesting stat to keep in the back of your mind. Several of the the opponents the Golden Eagles have played have been inside the top 50. Yeah, when you looked at the schedule, when Scott Berry released the schedule, if there was a criticism is that it was too hard. You know, but again, they've never tried. I mean, the the very phrase that Southern Miss uses, you know, any place, anywhere, anytime, should tell you what what they're all about. Um, but because there wasn't, there hasn't been any easy game so far. And the way that the schedules came out in the Sun Belt, they're playing the toughest teams in the yeah. front part of the schedule. So you know, they get through it, you know, without injuries. Uh, it's it's been a it's probably been the toughest schedule overall. And again, to compare been. last year's team to this year's team, just from the schedule standpoint, uh, you know, it, Absolutely. you can't do that. And tomorrow, actually, we're going to be on the road, right, Luke? Yeah, we are. We're going to be at Corner Market in Midtown, Eagle Hour Live, and uh, we'll be there. And so it'll be a special uh, special day. Michael, um, Remind us again what we're what we're taking up for uh, this coming uh, for for the weekend. Well, we're encouraging people to drop off canned food items at any corner market around the the listening area. But uh, we'll be kind of wrapping things up tomorrow and putting a focus on that as we head into the Easter weekend. So it'll be good tomorrow and at the corner market. Reminds you as always, our, our good friends at Jana King, the King of Clean, can clean anything. Your building, places of worship, your business, your home, all of that, Jana King. And then uh, it, I will be in Hattiesburg tomorrow, so uh, it, it's always a good day for a Mobe beignet, isn't it, Kelly? Yes. In fact, maybe we should start the day there and then work our way down Hardy Street. The way traffic is you know, another, on Hardy Street, it might take us that long. You want another contest? You're, no, you're no. I'm, I, I, Uncle, I give up. <laughs> All right, great show today. If you missed it, go back and check us in podcast form, supertalk.fm, and we are on every platform you can think of. Great show today. We will catch you tomorrow. We'll be at Corner Market in Midtown. Come by and see us. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.